just really feel to go go straight into to what we're going to be speaking about this morning. I, I we have a few announcements, but we'll talk about them at the end. I just I just want to take the time now when we're in this place to 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 go into what we were what we were talking about last week because I think that it's so important for us to move into this. Last week we were speaking about the vision, and I'm going to carry that on on this morning, but. You know, the reality of, of why we're doing a vision, why we're expressing what God's showing us is because without the vision to do what God wants to do, we'll perish, right? We all know that verse, without vision, the people will perish. But the reality is, is that we can't outwork what God wants us to do if we aren't actively seeking for what He wants us to do. So as a community and as a house, we, we honestly believe that there is a, a, a call for this place to do something. And as we move forward and as God changes things and, and pours out His Spirit onto this place, the reason that that happens is for us to continue the call that He's given us. Right? That there's a reason that we're, we're walking in the things that we're walking in. And a part of what we're seeing in, in our time of worship is stepping into what God has for us, connecting with our Father face to face and being able to hear what He's saying to do what He's asking us to do. So the reason we, we press and harp so much about having that time of worship in your, in your personal life, in your home life, is because that's where we begin to seek the Father's face and see what He has for us. We can do the best that we can to, to, to help you along your journey with God, but you have to see the call that He's given you. You have to pick up the call that He's given you, and you have to outwork that call. And a part of that freedom that we get to step into in a, in a worship service like that and in our private worship at home and our, our time with God is that we get to see the reality of God's core in our life personally. So I know that all of us here are all, there's something that's, that, we're, that we're battling in our life, something that we're walking through. There's, there's excitement and joys all personally as well. And we can speak on a, on a corporate level what those battles and what those joys and what those excitement things look like. But you also have to look at that for yourself as well as to what that looks like and how you move forward in that as well so one of the reasons that we we feel that we need to express a vision clearly and, and explain to you guys where this church is at and where we feel god is calling us to is because that's how we move forward as a body but inside that body are, are, are the individual members all of us that have our own calls inside of that Why don't we just pray quickly. Holy Spirit, we just ask that you continue to move in this place. Just ask, Holy Spirit, that, that you continue to speak to your people. Just allow you to continue to move in this place. Just allow you freedom to move in this place. God, we just remove our focus from the things of man and we just focus on you right now, Jesus. Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. So last week I was speaking about the four, the four aspects of, of this community that we, we believe that this church is, is walking into, that we believe that the, the area that we feel God calling us to affect change and to bring His kingdom. 
and there was four aspects. Does anyone remember what the four aspects were? Discipleship, focus, mission, and reformation. Edie slightly gets a cheat, but that's okay. She's still killing it. We have, we have spent time and time and time looking at this, allowing God. When, when God originally showed my wife and, and I this, this vision and we, we took it to, to the guys that were then leadership, we, we were looking for how do we bring this across? We know that God's given us this vision. We know that God's showing us something. But how do we continue to walk into that? And Benny, can you put the slides up for me? Champion. Patience. We'll go a long way, eh? So we spoke... We spoke last week about the, the, the four aspects, and we, and we went through them. I, I didn't quite get to finish, but I just want to wrap up the last two on this thing because I think that for this church and something that we saw this morning, the biggest thing that we want to, to we really feel God is calling us into is to reform what the church actually looks like, to change out of this model that has somehow become rather distorted and go back to the original model that, that Christ designed um, for the early church. When we read the book of Acts, that, that book of Acts is a, is a follow-on to what we now walk in now. So there's a, there's a reality that when you read the book of Acts, the disciples were carrying on and building the church, which is supposed to continue to step into. In, in an odd way of looking at it, we continue the, the, the Acts of the disciples. Because now, as, as followers of Christ, we become students of Him, disciples of Jesus, and we carry out the work that He begun when He was here as men. Okay? Right? So one of the things that we, we are, are, are passionate about, but still don't know how to do it exactly, but are, are, are taking the steps toward reforming what the church actually looks like. Going back to, well, does it say that in the Bible, or do we just do that? Why do we do the things the way that we do it? And we're not doing it to pull apart other churches or to say that we have it all together because we don't, but we're, we're looking at, okay, well, what direction are we supposed to be stepping in to get to where God wants us? So what steps do we take? Forgetting, forgetting what everybody else is doing and going, God, what are you calling us to do in this house? What are the steps you're calling us to be a part of? And that's going to get messy. Because we have these preconceived ideas of what church should look like. We have these ideas of, of the way things should work. We were speaking this morning before, before worship about breaking the box of how God moves. That in the, in the, the charismatic um, sort of circles, we've created a, a move of God, and that's what the move of God looks like. Where and why does it have to be like that? We're talking about the creator of the universe breaking in and moving, and we're saying that we know how he's going to move. And I know that people don't openly say that, but there's a, a connotation of this is how he's going to move. And one of the things that we were praying this morning is, God, I don't care how you come. I care that you come. When we as a people get to a place where we, when we can say to God, God, it doesn't matter how you do it, but I just want you to do it. It doesn't matter how you break into our lives. We just want you to break in and, and move in that place. And the freedom that that brings, I know as, as us as leaders, is that we don't have to try and build anything particular. We just have to build what God tells us to build. We don't have to 
make it look a specific way in order for it to work because if God's going to move, then he'll move regardless. So one of the freedoms, one of the things that we want to step into is that. The third one from the top, that this line will be done, this will be done not just here on a Sunday morning, but in each and every life that comes into this house. We have to begin to go outside of these four walls. We have to begin to, to emit change and emit the, the church as God intended the church to be, scattered out in all of our spheres of influence. The next one, I just wanted to explain this so that when I, I get to it a bit later, which I'm going to ex- express, I want us to see the areas of mission that, that we are currently um, walking into. If you, if you didn't hear my sermon last week, it's, it's up online. You can go and have a listen um, about how we're doing the other things. But this one, I just wanted to express that the area of mission that we have is a, is a, a local mission, a national mission, and an international mission. And the, the, the way that that works is that our local mission doesn't necessarily have to look like a certain thing. All of us have a local mission. I explained this last week. Our workplaces, single mums, all of those things are your mission field. That, that, that place is your mission field. So when I put this slide up, I'm, I'm not saying this is the only place that we can do local mission, but what I'm saying is that this is the, the active place that this house does local mission. And for us at the moment, that's set free care. We are actively in trying to build something that people can come in and be freed into. That is one of the areas that we're doing local mission. But the other area, and I think more importantly, is all of us in our local mission. Like I was saying before, that's our local mission. Our national mission that we have up there is, um, is David from, sorry, um, Bradley from, from Bree Rorina. That is, is something that we are discussing, how we better affect our Aboriginal communities. How can we bring Christ into that place and move through that? Again, that's not the only place that we can do national mission, but at the moment, that's where we are actively actively doing mission. The final one that I've got up there is, um, is Extend. Most of us, we haven't talked about it. The name doesn't really mean all that much, and I'm going to talk about Mike and Charmaine later, but Mike and Charmaine are our apostolic leaders in this house. For some of you, you would have heard their names. You've seen them. They've been here and preached. But we partner with about... 15 to 20 different churches from around the globe. I've put two of them up there because they're the two that we partner with the closest. Jeeva and Susan from India and David and Rebecca from Sri Lanka. A lot of our tithe, which I'm going to talk about later, has gone into these houses to help them further their mission, their local mission. So uh, Jeeva and Susan, just recently I was talking to him and he, he walks into the jungle to go and find communities that he can preach the gospel to. He just goes for a walk. And he recently went and he found a community that was needing medical aid. So he went back and told his wife, who works in a hospital, and said, we need to take medical aid to these people. So they gathered what they could. They went to this village and they took medical aid. And in that time, Jesus said that they were able to preach and pray for and operate in a place that, that Hindus are hungry for because they know that God exists, but they, they get confused in the, the reality of what, that, what God actually looks like. So a part of this house, we get to walk with them in those victories and those triumphs. And in that, we also get to struggle with them through the struggles and the issues that they are walking through. At the moment, Jeeva's mum is quite ill, and she's, he asked me this morning if, if we would pray for his mum. So I want to do that now quickly, but I also want us to continue to hold these guys up that these when we create family that in the kingdom we create family as a house but we also 
outwork that with other people who come and are a part of this place. So let's just pray quickly for, for Jeeva's family. But I also want to ask you guys to continue to pray. So Father, we just come to you right now. And we just lift Jesus, Jeeva's mum to you right now, Jesus. We just declare, Father, your wholeness in her body. We thank you that we can stand in your power, that we can stand in the, the, the things that you give to us. And we just stand in that place in the gap for Jeeva's mum right now. We just thank you for wholeness, Jesus. Just thank you. And we stand in that place in authority that you've given us, Jesus. Amen. With David and Rebecca, we David has one of the most recognized orphanages in Sri Lanka. The government has said to him that his orphanage that 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 they have put together, he and his wife. They are sending kids there because it's one of the best that, that Sri Lanka is saying that they have. We got the pleasure last year to actually be a part of that and see the, the orphanage that we've been sowing into and, and meet some of the kids. And it is phenomenal what these guys are doing. He sent a few photos, which in a few weeks I'm hoping I can put together to show you guys. But the reality is, is that we are a part of what they're doing there through what God is doing. That when, when we sow into this house... This house sows out into other houses to help build in other places, locally, nationally, and internationally. So I just wanted to, to put up the missional aspects so that, so that you guys know, and it's important, and, and we want to do a better job showing you these families, showing you how they're walking, showing you the things that they're seeing, the things that they're struggling through, so that we can better partner together with them to see his kingdom come. Okay? All good? The next thing I want to talk about is that we, in this house, we, like I said, in, in regards to our, our reforming the church back to how God wants it, we also have to look at some of the ways it hasn't been done properly and understand why they haven't been done properly and understand what model did God design for us in order to do it properly. The next slide I want to show you, I didn't come up with this, this is not my genius, but incredibly depicts the way that we've seen church models run for so long and, and bring pain and suffering, I think. The first one that you see is the, is the, the monarchy or the episcopal, the, the patriarchal model where there's one person at the top and it feeds down to the rest of the people. There's one, one superstar who makes all the shots, calls how things go, places the chairs. If you've ever been in a church where there's a chair place, that's my favorite. Um, there's, a, there's a, a person in that church and the, and the reality, the reason that that falls is that, that God has given gifts to the body more than one which we're going to talk about in a minute but he's given gifts that one person, there was one person who carried all the gifts and worked in them effectively and his name was Jesus <laughs> I haven't seen or heard of anybody else who acted in a fullness of all the gifts and operated to be able to lead the church. That's why God says, sorry, that's why he talks about in Paul that, English Ben, Paul talks about rather that there's, a, there's one body with many parts. Because the reality is, of that is that there's many giftings in that one body. There's many, many facets to making the body work. So the first one that, that we still see so often, and if you hear me say it, it's why I don't like being called pastor. Because 
I don't see that I operate in the fullness of the pastoral gift. So I don't like being given that title because then I have to act in a way that, that people expect of me. <laughs> but you look at all church leaders a lot. They're a pastor, whether they carry the pastoral gift or not. If you don't carry a pastoral gift and you get called a pastor, you're expected to pastor people. And when you're not doing that, you get told you're doing a bad job. But it was never your gifting. So how am I supposed to operate in a gifting that God never gave me? But he gave me the gift to lead. And other gifts that I carry to walk in that. Now people will argue, Mr. Dear Love, that I do carry a pastoral gift. And I'm, I'm walking in that, but I'm not a pastor. Yeah, leader Ben. Yeah. I should get LS in front of my name. You know how they get PS in front of the name? I should get LS. But the, the reality of that is that we don't want to build a model where we sit on top. Because what happens is that if, if that person on top falls over, the whole thing falls over. And has anyone seen that? And we've seen that so far too often. Incredible leaders, amazing churches, things are going spectacularly. And then it comes out that the guy at the top fumbled, like we all do. And the whole thing falls apart. The next one that I want to talk about is the democracy or the congregational model where we offer the vote to the church we offer the vote to the people but the way that that breaks down is that we say God has appointed these people to lead and then we take the authority given from God to those people and we give it to those called not to lead so the the issue that I have with a church where they vote for what happens is that God didn't call all those people to make those votes it's like going into a business where you've got a CEO and they, they know how the business all works, but then we're going to, let's ask the employees what they want. That just doesn't work. Because the, the person who's leading it can see the bigger picture. They can see the finances. They can see people's hearts. They can see what's happening amongst, amongst everybody. But then they give to the people. That's hurtful. And I've watched that. I've watched that get torn apart i was in a in my hometown i was a part of a church and there was a a another church that we were we were running um prayer meetings corporate prayer meetings and just about every church in the town came to these corporate prayer meetings it was phenomenal one of the churches came and, and he was impacted greatly by the holy spirit he went back to his church to say guys we need to be teaching about the holy spirit i've seen something and i can't unsee it god moved in me and i can't change it so he started preaching about the holy spirit he started preaching about the freedom that that the spirit brought and they voted him out they voted him out he was trying to express the move of god he was trying to express the spirit who jesus said it's better that i go so that i can send and they voted him out because it was uncomfortable when we sit in a house like this there's no trust given to those called to lead a church is called to be a theocracy, sent by God, not a democracy. Now that doesn't mean that the people who are leading don't listen to the people because that's, that's where we get excitement from. That's where we hear, man, that's an awesome idea. But the bottom line is it goes to the elders who God have appointed in that place. That doesn't mean, again, I just want to reinforce the fact that that doesn't mean that that. It's, it's like an army where everybody gets in line and just be quiet because then we go back to the first model. 
The last one that you see on there is, is total anarchy. And we've seen churches like this as well where there's no leadership. There is no guidance. There's no boundaries set. Everybody gets to be free in that. But that's not how God designed it. All from the very beginning, we see order, divine order, sent through by God. Leaders put in place to create boundaries and, and to be listening to God and hearing what he's saying to lead the people. A shepherd doesn't get to just walk in and the sheep just do it. They just hang out and do what they want. There's order in that place. Does everyone understand? Can everyone see the three, the three different types of models? What we feel and what we believe called to, to put in place is a model that looks like this. A model that, that from the foundation is built and planted on Jesus. Now, every church you go into will say that their church is built and planted on Jesus because that's, that's what we see. But how, do, how does that actually look? And that's what we want to challenge ourselves as well. I don't just want to say that our church is built on the foundations of Jesus. I want to actually be able to model that out. What does that actually look like? When we say that, no, our church is, is built on the foundations of Jesus, then your church better exemplify love. It better be the example of forgiveness, the example of grace, because if that's your builder, then that's how Jesus would have built. So when we look back through the Scriptures, we see a picture of Jesus. If our church doesn't look like what he was building, then we're not based on who the builder is. And I know that's a massive challenge, and I know that's, that's difficult, but that's what we're here to do. And there's times where we're going to fumble at it. But the reality of a vision is that we keep focused on what God's showing us so that when we get off course, we know what back to look at. It's the same with the church. When I, when I start thinking about, man, how, how are we doing as a, as, a, as a house? How are we doing as a body? We've got to look at the model. The model's Jesus. The model's not numbers. The model's not figures. The model's not how many people on the seat. The model's Jesus. So we, we see so often churches being planted out of a model that they've put together and then they send that model all around the world. What model have they created it on? The model that we build is Jesus. When we plant churches out of this church, they will not go with the our community name. They will not go with the way that they have to do it because Jesus has called them to, to plant in, in the way that the gifts he's given them. So they go with a model that we've given them, but that model is Jesus. So when, you, when, we, when we go forth and we plant churches, which we're going to start talking about more and more, what that looks like for us, we plant with the models of Jesus, not the model of our community. Yes, we can create things that work here, but it might not work in America. It might not work in South Africa. It might not work in Upper Kumara. Sorry from guys from Kumara. Narang. <laughs> Melbourne. Um, so, the, so the reality is, is that we have to start to look at who is our model. It's Jesus. So the first thing that we see there is that our, our church is built on Jesus. And then we see clearly in the Bible three other areas of the church, the elders, the deacons, and the saints. When Paul went and established a church with his apostle gift, which I'm going to talk about a bit later, he went and he, he, he established a church. The first thing he did was he appointed elders to govern the people. Then there was an, a, there was an a, a appointing of deacons 
to help look after, protect, walk with. So we see a, a, a governing role in a in a, a walking with hands-on protecting role from the deacon. And then we see the people, the saints. You can't have one without the other. So when we create this model that the, the elder is the most important person in a church, we're creating the fact, well, we don't need anything else. But without deacons and without the saints, we can't continue to walk in what God has for us. And like I just harped on, if we don't have Jesus as the base, we've lost the plot from the start. But we see so many things start creeping in, different, different models, different ways of doing things, different, different things that we just don't see in, in the Scriptures. If it was good enough for the, for the disciples to plant, for Jesus to call forth then, why isn't it good enough for us to do now? So when we start to, to move this place forward, when we start to establish what God has for us in this place, we have to understand what was established at the beginning for us to follow. I don't know what my next slide is. Beautiful. It looks like this. And after today, you're going to get sick of seeing this picture. What we build on is Jesus, like I've just explained. Then there's, then there's the four things that I'm going to explain in a second, which creates a community and a family. So what we've been harping on in the last few months about creating family, about being, being real with one another and creating a sit-around-the-table family, that's the roof of this place. That's the roof of what God's creating. That feeling when you walk in, you feel, man, I'm home. These are my people. These are my family. That's the roof of what we're trying to create. That's the, that's the icing on the top. But you can't put that on the top without the foundations of the other things. And obviously, not being a builder, but your pillars can't last if they're not on solid foundation. Did I talk last week about the, um, the restaurant, the comparison between the restaurant? I heard a, a sermon, I can't remember who did it, it was from Bethel, but it was an, uh, a, a guy that was coming into the house. But he said that he, f- he felt like the church had become a restaurant. That when you go into a restaurant, when you sit down, you have a nice meal. If the meal's terrible, you do one of two things. You go and tell the chef that it was terrible, and you give your meal back and then you leave, get your money back and you go. Or you eat it, you put up with it, but then you leave. You're saying, if the meal's not what you expected it to be, you probably won't go back to that restaurant. You'll find another restaurant. And he was saying that what the church should look like is a Thanksgiving meal. He was an American and he talked about Thanksgiving and he explained what Thanksgiving looked like. I think the equivalent for us would be like a Christmas lunch where, where everybody has a part of the Christmas lunch. When you go home, mum's got you doing or dad's got you doing the odd job that you may not want to do, but you know that when you put your hands to it, you're going you're gonna to cook this meal. But the thing is, is, regardless of what the food tastes like, you'll go back again and again and again because you helped prepare that food. Because that's your family. And the reality is, is that, yes, I want a good meal, but what's more important is my family that I'm here to be with. And if something's lacking in the meal, I'll put my hands to it to do it. If mum doesn't have enough time to peel the potatoes, you'll get on board and help peel the potatoes because you know that the, the potato bake's not going to work without peeled potatoes, right? Graham loves a good old potato bake. <laughs> but when you've peeled the potatoes and you've put that on the potato bake and everyone goes, man, that potato bake's good. 
you feel like, oh, I was a part of that. I got to, I got to do something in that. But the reality is that you will go back time and time and time again. Because you've created something that's bigger than what you get out of it. There's a family, there's connection, there's home there. And what this guy was saying was that we've got to get the church back to a place where it's family. Where we don't walk in and expect. We walk in and say, Mom, what can I do to help? Dad, what can I set the table? When we create a place that's, that is really what Jesus came to create, they were, the disciples were walking with each other every day. Now, our society and the way that we live makes that difficult for us to do, but we've lost the importance of that. And we've gotten ourselves into a place where if we don't get a good feed on a Sunday, we'll start looking at other restaurants. Now, I know that's quite a, a, forward, a forward line, and that doesn't give us the, the opportunity just to sit back and, and not do what we're called to do. But what it does do is it says to us, how do we create a model where we get our hands dirty and we get to be a part of what God's building? don't know what that has to do with this, but we went for it anyway. The first one that you see on there is the ascension gifts. Now, we haven't delved into the gifts as deeply as, as we would have liked, but we are going to do that more. But what I want to express is that gifts into this house and the gifts that are in this house help make this house what it is. When we have someone who comes forward and they say, man, God is burning something in me. I, I need to share it. Like Mary did this morning. You know, there's, there's a, that's the gift operating in the house. When we look out and we see someone like, like Mao avidly meeting with people and just pouring out love on people, that's the gifts of God operating in the house. But there's also, there's also a, a reality of those that are outside of this house that we see a calling on their life in a bigger way and we bring them in to be a part of what we're doing and to help build the body of Christ. Ephesians 4 says the gifts are given for the building up of the body. They come in. This isn't in Ephesians 4 anymore. This is Ben. They come in and exist in the house by equipping the saints for the work of the ministry and building up of the body. So the, the equipping of people comes from the gifts that God gives. So when we say we want to equip people, we want to help build what God's doing, we can't do that without the gifts that God's given. Now, I'm not going to start naming people, but we have gifts in this house operating well. But we also want to step up and say, God, how can we operate in a deeper way in this? How can I move in the gifts you've given me inside my house and outside in my job and in my, in my, in my work? So what we want to start to do is start to, to challenge people to step into that gifting, step into what God has for us. Gifts that we have coming into this house at the moment are Mike and Charmaine. Some of you will recognize their face, some of you won't. Mike has been partnering with, we're partnering with Brad for a long time before I met them and, and are now partnering with us as, as what we're doing here. And we believe that in this house, Mike carries an apostle gift. For those of you who haven't looked at or understood what apostle gift is, it says in the, in the Bible, and I can't remember where, that first the apostle was sent. In, in, in Greco-Roman time, an apostle was sent out by Rome to go into a city that was conquered 
and ensure that that city once conquered carried the image that Rome had. So they will go in to a city and they would reform that city to make it not look like the Jewish tradition but look like the Roman tradition so that if the Caesar was ever to go, he was going to a place that he knew. He was going to what looked like Rome, essentially. So when, when we look at, and I found that so fascinating because when we look at the, at the word apostle, when we look at what an apostle is, it's the, the gifting of, a, of an apostle is designed to make sure that that place looks like the place that I've come from. So that place is carrying the kingdom of God. So when we, when we invite somebody that we truly feel has an apostle gift, when they come into this house, what they're here to do is A, to be a part of what we're doing and, and to, to partner with us and family with us. But they're also here to help us make this place look like the kingdom of God, be like the kingdom of God. So we, we truly believe and we, we have seen it operated so well is that Mike and Charmaine carry that gift. All the decisions that get made in this house, they have insight into. They have voice into. They have authority into. But they never have the ability to make the change in the house. That lands on the elders of the house. When Paul writes to the Corinthians, he writes as an apostle. He doesn't say, you must change this now. He doesn't lord over them. He writes in authority to say, given from God is my gift to help you look like the kingdom of God. And this is what you should do in order to make that happen. We've seen in, in a few of those broken models where, where apostles, quote unquote, can swing in and just completely change the church. We don't see that in scripture. Paul never went back to the Corinthians and, and ripped all things apart. He wrote to them as a friend. And one of the beautiful things I find about Corinthians is that Paul's letters are brutal to the Corinthians. But because they knew his heart, because they knew his gift, they receive it with love and they operate change in that place. So when we speak to Mike, some of the conversations that we have are quite confronting because he's challenging things. But he's never saying, you must do this. He's saying, guys, I can see error here. And I can also show you how to come out of that. And we, we allow him to operate in that gift. The next one that you see on this, on this um, picture here is the elders. I want to explain something that might be a little bit confusing, but I just want to explain something. At the moment, we, as elders, we are operating as elders. Myself and Jess, Mal and Edith are operating as elders. But we haven't had hands laid by, by the apostle who comes into the house, for us as Mike and Charmaine. So although we are carrying and operating in the gift of the elder, at the moment we don't feel until hands are laid that we are fully carrying that. So what I want to explain is, is if you hear us saying leaders rather than elders, because I don't feel that we can take that until hands have been laid and that that giving and partaking of that has happened. We believe that when, when hands are laid, there is an impartation that takes place. That when an apostle lays a hand on an elder, there's an impartation that comes in that. Because they live in Dubai and they come in, he is all over the world with, if, with the churches that we partner with. He has said to us, I'll come right now if you want us to. 
And I said, look, let's just wait until you've actually designed to come when he's coming middle of the year, which is in my calendar, I can't remember. But the reality for that is that we feel that we will get that impartation when hands are laid. But at the moment, we're operating in the place of elder. So when you hear the language from the front, we have, I have, don't call us elders yet because we haven't had that impartation take place. So until that happens, we will continue to operate as elders, but the, the impartation of elder will come when we are laid hands. Now, some have said that that's semantics, but for us, we really feel that that's what we see in the Bible, so that's what we follow. How can we say we're going to reform the church but not then do what we're saying? So it doesn't take away from the, the authority that we feel God's given us. It just means that until those hands are laid, until we can um, solidify that, then this is what it looks like. Is that okay? Sorry, I didn't put my photos up, but there you go. Malanitis, myself and Jess. For those of you who don't know, myself and Jess. Malanitis. The next one that we see are deacons. Now, we don't have deacons that are operating in the house at the moment just because of the place that we're in. We haven't. I don't want to assign deacons just for the sake of assigning deacons. That just doesn't work to me. And what I see in that is I see hurt come for the church and hurt come for the people who have been assigned. So what we've decided to do, we, we have been watching and, and asking God to reveal to us people that are walking in, in gifts and stepping into leadership and authority in Him. And we felt that there's two couples that have done that. We actually felt there were three couples, but I'll explain that in a second. We felt that there was two couples to step into that place. And we're going we're gonna to bring them onto a, an emerging leadership team. And the reason that we're going to call it an emerging leadership team is that I, don't want to make sh- I want to make sure that we're not dragging them into something they're not called into. And for them, that they're not stepping into something they're not being called into. So we want to protect them as, as family members in this house. But we also want to protect us in the way that if God's not making it happen, then we're trying to push something that's not really there. So the two couples that that is are Tim and Taryn and Arn and Joe. The only one who's here at the moment is Tim. So, see? Oh, yeah. No, Taryn is upstairs with the kids, I think, isn't she? Yeah. And Arn and Joe were very upset, but they had something planned at uh, the middle of last year, and they apologized profusely for not being able to be here. But we see, we see leadership qualities. We see God calling them into something, operating on their lives. And what we want to do by creating this because I just spoke about the fact we're not going to put uh, funny things that aren't in the Bible there. But what, what I, I want to do with this team is express the fact that I don't know whether they're going to step into leadership, into eldership or a deaconship. And I don't think at the moment they fully know that either. So what this allows us to do is start to, to apply weight to their shoulders and, and allow God to call them into that. Someone once said to me that when you are carrying something heavy and you pass it over to somebody, you don't just drop it on their shoulders. You team in, in both carrying it for a little bit and then you, you ease the weight onto somebody. What we want to do in this is that we want to pass something on to Tim and Taryn and to Arn and Joe, but we want to do it in such a way that we're not dumping it on them. We're allowing them to continue to step into that. And in that, then, we will, we will lay hands and we will bring them onto that team. Is that okay? I, I want to highlight this because I think it's important. I know for these guys it has nothing to do with the title. It has nothing to do with they want this leadership, they, they need this leadership. I, I have full faith and 100% knowing that they 
this isn't a big win for them. They take this heavily, just like we did when we took over. Is that it's not a awesome, I get to be a leader. It's a flip, I have to be a leader. <laughs> but the reality is, is that I know that they're not doing that for the title. The other couple that we asked uh, to bring on was Brad and Naomi. And the reason I, wanna, I want to, uh, to speak about this is that in their wisdom, they didn't feel that it was right for them to come on at this time. They felt that there's other things that, that they are focusing on, um, their marriage and, and the, the excitement that that is, given that's a new marriage. But I want to honor you guys for having wisdom in that and for saying to us, hey, we, we don't feel it yet. We're not saying no, but we're, we're, just, we're not in a position yet that we feel God calling us to that. And the, the reason that that's important, the reason what that highlights is that the church has never meant to be a stepping stone. There's not a ladder of succession. Time and loyalty does not mean that you're a leader. It doesn't mean that you're a deacon, and it may mean that you, you, you never preach. We have to break that off, the church. Being in a church for 20 years and, and, and serving with your whole heart does not mean that you step into a place of leadership. God appoints leaders. Now, there's wisdom for us to walk through, and, and we were obviously looking and seeing were guys serving? Were they a part of the house? Were they pressing in? There's wisdom in us to do that. But if God says they're not a leader, then they're not a leader. And we have to break this off the church because it's, gonna, it, it's hurtful for people when they put their hand up and say, but I've been serving for so long. So were you serving to get that position? And that's what we have to ask ourselves. When we serve in the church, why are we serving in the church? Is it because God asked you to or because you're thinking that if I swept the floor, maybe I'll get to play drums or get to sing on the worship team? If I bring cakes, does that mean that I'll get to do something else? I know that's a hard thing to hear, but the, the challenge in that is that we've got to stop making this look like a corporate business and go back to what God was doing. You know, God called the most unlikely into positions that he knew they could fulfill. And I have to remind myself of that regularly because I feel like the most unlikely to stand in the position that I stand. But I can't shake that God called me there. Do I want to do this so that I get a mega church and, and get to be on that? No, not at all. But the reality is that we see God calling people and we also see we, we honor the fact that they took the time to say yes and no. They took the time to say, God, is this what you will have for us? The last one on there that you see are the saints. You guys are so important to what God's doing. And the reason that this picture is so important is that it's not below, it's not a side, it's not above, that we do this thing together. Now there is authority given. God has given Jess and I authority to lead this church as a first among equals. That the the eldership team that we've put in place is there to protect and to create boundaries and to hear what God's saying. So there is authority given. It doesn't mean that I, I'm on an equal playing field, therefore I get to. There is God gives us clear leadership that's been established, but there is, there is a, a first among equals. That because I stand and preach doesn't mean God loves me more than somebody who is out sweeping the floor. It doesn't mean that, that my inheritance will necessarily be greater than that person who swept the floor's inheritance. Our inheritance that God gives us is marked on how well we listen to His call. It's not how well we, 
we stand at the front and preach. When we go into heaven, there won't be all the, the, the preachers and, and leaders of churches that get to walk down this special thing. There will be those who listened to God's call. The one who swept, the one who talked to that person that no one else wanted to talk to. Those things are the, are the things where we look and go, God, what do you want me to do? That's where our obedience lies. I need to hurry. Oh, we're there. Let's do it. Last thing I want to talk about, but the most important thing, because I, I feel like this doesn't get done well in the church, and we need to start doing it better. We have a finance team that we put together over the last six months. This is our finance team. Josh Hill, Katie Peach, and Jenny Martin. These guys help us. How good is Josh's photo? That's how excited he is to be on the team. He's that excited. <laughs> These guys are behind the scenes helping us make sure this place runs. Making sure that, that we are stewarding what God is doing here. Katie, I want to honor Katie quickly. Katie spent so many hours bringing the books of this church onto an online system so that we can see everything moving fluidly. She spent hours going back, getting receipts that were from a year ago, notes that were from a year ago, things that we had been that had been in place but were all filed in lovely filing cabinets and bringing them onto a system. And she did it for nothing because she wanted to serve and she wanted to, to do what she the gifts she had. So, yeah, can we just give Katie a clap? <laughs> she, <laughs> she hates it. But the reality is that that... She served where we had a need, and she served so diligently, and she still serves. She comes in every Monday and does all of our books, counts all the tithe, the offerings, puts it into an account, makes sure that we can be seen, does all the tax work that goes to, to Bass so that we can show that we're not stealing any money from the tax man. She does all that. I have not a clue how that all goes. I get to see it at the very end when it's all pretty spreadsheets. That's fantastic for me. But what I want you guys to understand is that there's a team looking after these finances. That these three guys, the gift that, that Jenny carries to ensure that we're doing the right thing. Ensure that we're, we're stepping where we should be stepping and stewarding every penny how it should be stewarded. And Jenny's not one that you want to miss a penny with because she comes and gets you. And, and Josh, to help us create, to move the things forward so that we are in a place of financial freedom where God is... is showing him quite incredible resources and ways that, that God wants to pour into this place. But the reality is, is that we gather these guys together because they have gifts that God's given them that I can't do. That Jess and Mal and Edith can't do. We're we, at a place now where it's, it's, we need a team of different gifts speaking in. And we meet once a month, and we meet month, once a month to discuss what's happening with the church. The last thing I want to show you in that in this is our finances. So we, I want to explain this a little bit because I think it's so important for us to see. As of tithes and offerings, we that came in, this is just last year's figure, so 2017. We had just over 120,000 come in of tithes and offerings and just over 10,000 come in for renting this business, renting this um, room. So we rent this room to another church and to anybody else who wants to use it for whatever they want to use it for. 
And in that, we, we had just over 10,000 come in. But it's the next thing that I think for us is, is so important. Because when we understand where our finances are going, we understand the, the, the need for finances in the house. So the first thing that you'll see up there is the, is the, the, the building costs. What it costs for us to run this place. What it costs for us to, to have the electricity when the light turns on. To have, have the insurance paid so if someone gets hurt, there's, we're insured by that and we can help that person get through that. That's what we have there. It's, it's just over 10%. The next thing you see, which I'm sure everybody is, uh, is looking at with, with raised eyebrows, is, is our wages. This is probably one of the most contentious issues when it comes to finances in, within the church, are the wages. And the reason that I think it's so important for us to see all this is that, that we have to be able to be transparent with, with our family so that we can explain what the need is and where it's going. I want to make one thing clear, though. When we tithe to God... We tithe to God, and God gives back to the church. One thing I definitely want to break out, and I think that needs to be broken in the church, is that when you tithe, you are not paying the wages of the people who work for the church. You are not paying for the building to be put together. You are paying your tithe to God. Now, when you give a blessing, when you give a blessing to something, then you can decide where that blessing you can you can say I'm blessing this person or I'm blessing this place but what we have to begin to understand is that our tithe goes to God and God gives that tithe back to the house and the reality is is that when you feel like the people who are leading this place have actually been called by God to lead that then that's that's where you put your faith in that I trust that they are stewarding that money but the reason that I think it's still good for us to all see this and to, to be able to see what's happening is that it allows you to see, wow, that's what we've been doing. And not only that, that's where we're going. So the wages that are up there are, up there are myself and Mal's wage, five months of Edith's wage for last year, and half of Winnie's wage. More than half of Winnie's wage because the other is paid by separate care. What I want to show you in this is that that looks like a high number because it is the most of the money that we have coming in. But we pay our guys to work in this place below minimum wage. And it aches in me that I can't pay for Katie to do the work that she does. It aches in me that we have Damon that comes in to, to give so much of his time and we can't give him anything for that. But the reality for us is that when we have more coming in, we have more going out. This place doesn't operate without the hands that give to it. And when we, when we honor a man by paying his wage for the work that he's due, that's what we want to be a house that does. That when we have someone pour into us, helping us create all of our websites like Josh did, do all of our admin like Damon does, all of our accounts like Katie does, the endless hours that Winnie does, I want to be able to honor their work by paying for them. So although this number looks high, to me it's painstakingly low. The last number on there is our giving, which is 10 just over 10%. Now we can go awesome, we're, we're over the 10%, we're over the first fruits, we're good to go. But I want to see that get to 20. I want to see that get to 30. 
that 30% of what we bring into this house goes out to other houses to help them build. But when we understand the finances from a place of the more that comes in, the more that can go out, the more we can give to people, we can honor people for their time, that's when we start to get excited about our finances. That's when we start to get to a place where we go, oh my goodness, man, it's, it's not that I have to do this, I want to do this. I give my 10% tithe, but I want to give 10% more because God's calling me to build something that He wants us to build. I just want to read a quote quickly. I'm almost done. I'm, I'm sorry it's taken me so long, but I just want to read something to us. Yes. Yes. It's always hard for a leader to talk about finances, but I just want to say, I, I go to work. I work as a project manager in a construction company, and... I enjoy doing what I do, and I love seeing the landscape of the Gold Coast and Brisbane change as buildings that I manage are built, as developments are, are completed. So I actually enjoy doing it. But at the same time, when my boss pays me my salary, there's no contention there. There's no obscurity about it. I'm worth the wages that I put in. It's as simple as that. And whether we've got issues with people getting paid in the church, you go read through the scriptures time and time again, one of the biggest issues that Jesus himself spoke about, let alone God through the prophets, through Moses, through, through all the, com the complete texts, is that a worker is worth their wages. It's, it's really that simple. And when you tithe, you tithe to God in the house. You don't tithe to Ben. You don't tithe to any of the team. You tithe to God in the house. And, and what, what God, what they do with that money is between them and God. But I can tell you right now that God wants them to earn over and above what they're actually taking home now. now. I can negotiate my salary with my company, but a pastor can never negotiate a salary with the church. Do you understand what I'm saying? I can, I can move somewhere else, but they don't. Therefore, they should be earning far above. That, that, that is a, a good representation. That to see the wages higher should not actually become something that we have an issue with. That is the highest thing. And the second highest thing we'll, we'll be giving, which, which will increase as well. So the more we bring to the storehouse to God, the more we can actually impart and bless those who do the work in the house as well as give out of the house. So I, I just really want to break any contention that people have about finances. It, I always call it the Christian F word because it's a, it's, a, it's a horrible topic to talk about. But I think we're reforming the fact that it's actually not a shameful thing to speak about in the church. Bring it, Lord. Bring it on. Yeah, and Graham will be moving on to the finance team uh, in the coming in the coming weeks. Guys, the the reality is is that we can't do that without it being there as well. And C.S. Lewis said that I do not believe one can settle how much we ought to give, but I'm afraid the only safe rule is to give more than we can spare. And that's something that we want to be in this house. We're not just asking everybody to increase their giving because it'll help us increase, but we want to increase our giving. I would love to be able to, to sow into India and say, say to Jiva, hey, what do you guys need? We need $10,000 worth of medical supplies. Here it is. To be a house that can give, be a generous house, is, has to first come with, our, with people, us included being generous people, and giving on top of that. So I, I, I wanted to take the time because this is so important to say that we're not swindling the pennies away. We're moving them around like 
<laughs> matchsticks. But I also want to say this. This does not worry me. The finances have never stressed me. Ask Jess, it makes her a little bit frustrated. Because I honestly believe if God's called us here, he'll make it happen. However, we still do need to be pressing in and listening to what God's calling us to do. And that's where I want us to, to be. I want us to be in a place that goes, I will never be burdened by finances. And we won't be. I know that God will keep these doors open. And the big bills that we have sitting, I know he'll pay them. But I go, how can we increase God to be generous like you are? How can we improve so that we can give more that we get? The last thing, I'm sorry that's taken so long. The last thing is this. I'm not going to speak long on it because we've, we've seen this. I've preached on it and you'll get sick of seeing it. But the reality is, is that we believe that this is what this house is here to do. Become an example of Jesus Christ. That's the mission. That's the call. You know, that's, that's why we gather. That's why we're, 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 we're praying. That's why we're reading our Bibles. Jesus, what did you do and how can we do it? So the reason we, we're going to keep harping this is, this is this is what we want all of you to, to grab onto. This, hopefully says all of what I've said in the last two weeks. So why don't you stand and we'll just pray. Heavenly Father, we just thank you. Jesus, we again just declare you king in this place. We declare it again and again and again. Won't you continue to make your vision, your passion and your desire for this place burn in our hearts? So much so that we become so, so excited by it that we have to do anything we can to make it happen. And Jesus, I just pray that right now, anything that I've said just drops away and becomes nothing. But God, the things that you want to impart, I just pray right now, Jesus, that you begin to just spark that flame and allow it to burn, Father. Allow us to be a house that knows you, that mimics you, and that shows people who you are. We love you. We honor you in this place. And we just thank you, Jesus, in your wonderful name we pray. Amen.